gentlemen. Well, I've been assigned one of the most pleasant tasks I've ever known. I'm going to introduce to you a character I've loved for many years. <laughs> Strangely enough, when you first meet him, you're going to loathe the very sight of him. He's mean and grasping. He's hard-hearted and tight-fisted. As miserable an old windbag as ever faked a sneeze when the collection plate goes by. <laughs> He'll probably remind many of you of your landlord. But you, as I did, and millions before us, are going to grow to love him. Hesitantly, at first, I'll admit, but finally he'll overwhelm your heart and be off with it. His name is Scrooge, the famous Dickens character, Ebenezer Scrooge of A Christmas Carol. Old Scrooge is played on the screen by Reginald Owen. <laughs> and Reginald is old Scrooge just exactly as Dickens conceived him, and as you and your children know him and love him. Welcome back to the Essential Films Podcast, a podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest movies ever made or the essential films. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm Adolfo Acosta, and I am joined by my co-host, the ghost of podcast presence, Mr. Mark Espinoza. And Mark, I just have one question for you. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? Uh, I don't know, man. That depends. <laughs> uh, was your spirit to be drunk and uh, kind of going off on uh, non uh Non-linear rants. If that's the case, then you're probably right. Nice. Um, so, welcome everybody. Uh, so, on today's Christmas, this year's Christmas episode, I'm just going to jump right into it. We're going to be talking about a Christmas Carol at the movies, and just as an upfront, um, this, you know, on our on our show, we usually go into you know specific movie. Um, we go through some of the background, some trivia, then we kind of go beat by beat through the movie itself. Talk about different scenes, different things like that uh we're not going to do that because 
if you are alive in this century, uh, you know the story of A Christmas Carol. Um, it's it's pretty much ingrained into all of us. Uh, you know, Scrooge, Marley, the Three Ghosts, all that stuff. Um, so there's no real need to do the story beat by beat because everyone knows it. So what we're going to be do- doing, uh, talking about is we're just going to be talking about different adaptations of the movie of A Christmas Carol from like the traditional adaptations to some more kind of wacky interpretations of it uh, throughout the years. And we're just going to be talking about our favorite ones and and we're just going to keep this lighthearted and fun as our Christmas episode this year. Uh, but before we get into that, um, as we're recording this, it is December 18th. Hopefully this will be up before Christmas Day itself. I'm planning uh, to work on this hopefully tomorrow and get it out tomorrow, but we, we shall see. Um, but before we get into all that, uh, Mark, how's your holiday season been going? Uh, I honestly cannot complain. It's been pretty good so far. I got 90% of my shopping done, which is always great. Uh, to get it done on time. And, uh, I mean, other than heading down to Philadelphia this week for my uh, company's Christmas, well, it was more of a 50th anniversary party, but we considered it the holiday party this year because this is normal time we usually do the holiday party anyway. But it was nice to take that trip down to Philly. I haven't been there in a few years. Uh, see some faces I hadn't seen in person in a while, obviously because of the pandemic and all that. So it was a good time. Um, and, uh, you know, just... Got one more week till Christmas, so we're just, uh, I mean, time always flies, man. Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, I feel like we only just finished at our house getting all the lights and stuff up, and now it's already Christmas. Um, as I said, today's December 18th, so it's also the first night of Hanukkah. My wife is Jewish, and uh, so so I do like to wish our Jewish brethren out there happy Hanukkah as well. Um, unfortunately, not too many Hanukkah movies other than, I think, Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights, Eight which crazy we will nights, not yep. be talking about today. Um, but, um, yeah, so we've got uh, – I've. Other than Christmas Carol adaptations, what what kind of uh, what other Christmassy movies or or stuff have you been watching, if anything at all? Well, you seem to be you seem to like going on random rants about Home Alone and the McAllisters. So I think my kids are at the age where they like to watch Home Alone a lot now, right? Well, so do <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm 35 years old. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went on one today about Home Alone too, about how the McAllisters. Uh, not only do they prove that they're worst parents ever by leaving Kevin at home a second time, like the second year in a row, um, but they get mad at him for spending uh, $900 on room service. But it's like, hey, if he hadn't even used the credit card, you wouldn't even know where he was, first of all. And second of all, like you abandoned him again. Like you have a lot of nerve to complain about 900 bucks. You know what I mean? It is partly his fault in the second one, though. I'm not saying that the parents are not at fault, but in the second one, it is partly his fault for insisting on the batteries before he got on the plane. Yes, so that's how, but I, that's how I, I, count, I counter with that that he's, what, an 11-year-old kid, 9-year-old kid, whatever he's supposed to be. Uh, he should – yeah, it's his fault for doing that, but the parents should be more responsible about oh, yes. keeping an eye on their You're 9-year-old son right. that they've already abandoned before. You're, and then, of course, and like I was saying earlier, instead of just – run into the terminal and always being late like they are and not counting heads. They just run into the gate and not check that everybody's there and accounted for. And then that's how you have part two. <laughs> and, and and let's, and let's, let's be clear here. Now there, there's a, uh, a meme that's running around that's been running around for like a long time about the first home alone movie, like that says something like a, like a, 
like, oh, I wonder what Kevin's dad did for a living that he was able to afford all these people going to Paris. Yeah. But that's not true because his brother, the unseen brother we never see in either one of these movies, not Uncle Frank, but the other one uh, who lives in Paris, he's the one that paid for the trip in the first movie. However, in this one, Kevin's dad does pay for the trip to Miami. So he does have a lot of money and he's sitting in first class and they don't even bother to like get up and go to the coach to see if Kevin's there. So right. this is all on them, right? <laughs> it just gets me every time I watch that movie. I'm like, you guys are awful. You're the worst parents in the world. No, but it's like I I I, I read your, your thing today, and then I was like, you know what? Yeah, it uh, yeah okay, I get it. He's upset because of the credit card bill, quote unquote, right? But yeah, like, but then I counter by saying, well, you left me alone a second time, so that offsets any financial. <laughs> obligation that i feel i owe you now so I know. we're, and not, we're, to we're the fact, now. And not to mention the fact that they totally like blame him for what buzz did at the concert it's all buzz's fault and they blame right. him for it it's, it's a bunch of crap and then the hotel should have comped him anyway for for losing him in the first place too i know so there you go awful terrible parents awful parents anyway um and uh the other one i've been watching a lot is the santa claus just because my my kids have i watched the santa claus two times in a row on friday because my kid the first kid wanted to see it and then like the second kid came in at the tail end of it and she said she wanted to see it so i had to sit through it again so <laughs> that's well, I, I, I like it i like the uh well, the first two i like the third one eh, whatever I've but i did watch this I did watch the series. I don't know if you caught it on Disney Plus. It's pretty I have good. not seen the th the third one, and I have not seen the, th the series. What is what is the series about? So, in a nutshell, Scott Calvin is wants to retire as a uh, Santa Claus, and uh, they're looking for his replacement. Oh, so he's not going to get killed? No, <laughs> he's not going <laughs> to fall off the roof. <laughs> Which is such a, such a dark way to start that movie. <laughs> Kill Santa. Yeah, but they kind of with the series. It just uh, the last episode just aired this uh, this past week. It adds to the lore going back to the first one. So it's actually pretty deep in like the lore of the three movies. So you kind of have to watch the three to watch this. So you even can get the, all even the, the third one, really. Even the third one, yep. <laughs> Man, that's rough. <laughs> I know. Uh, all right, I, I might check it out. I don't know. My my kids like the first one a lot, so I'm, I'm I might might see the the other one if if time if time uh, allows. Um, but yeah, so far I've been doing, you know, we went to, my daughter and I went to a, uh, a Harry Potter themed thing in the city yesterday, got myself, you know, they had, they had some holiday stuff, uh, along with it, got myself some butterbeer for the first time, mm. uh, which for those curious is basically butterscotch flavored soda, which is, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird flavor. It's pretty good though. I had it at the at the Universal when I went uh, down to Orlando, and they had the Harry Potter theme park yeah. section. So I had the yeah. butter beer there. It's pretty good. It, it's it's not bad for me. For me, it's not bad. I just it it takes some getting used to because like you, it's not a flavor you think you're gonna get with soda, right? It just it tastes like a dessert kind of. It's, it's odd. Um, but yeah, that's that's been, been going on here uh, at the old Acosta house. Uh, but uh, no holiday parties for me. But uh, how was your holiday party? How was? Do you have a? Uh, did you did you have any like office like shenanigans with Michael Scott? Oh, definitely not. This was a very fancy affair. In fact, it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, normally we can kind of be a little goofy and wear like ugly sweaters or like maybe keep it a little casual with khakis instead of like 
suit no this party because it was like the 50th party wasn't really the holiday party you had to be in like shirt and tie it was a black tie yeah i saw you clean up well yes thank you um (laughs) and you know the ballroom was really nice they served us filet mignon all paid for by the company the company even you know set uh i don't want to say flew me down because it's in philly um but they uh paid for my train to and from they paid for a hotel for the night so i could get uh, as drunk as i wanted which i didn't by the way even though it was was all on their dime was open bar Uh, i did have my fair share of beers but uh I, I remember the whole night. So, did you crack a, a cold one for the working man? Yes, I did. I cracked several, and for some nice. people that couldn't make it. So, <laughs> all right. Um, so we've got. Uh, so as I said, we're going to talk about a Christmas Carol, um, different versions of the Christmas Carol today. Uh, so, just the only real background I'm going to give is uh, that the Christmas Carol, of course, was the. Uh, was is the popular, uh, very ever-present uh, novella by Charles Dickens, which was published in 1843. Um, when do you think that you saw or remember reading The Christmas Carol? Because I remember, quote-unquote, reading it in, like, maybe fourth grade when, like, I don't know if you guys did this in, in elementary school, but, like, in my elementary school, like, they would, like, every day or every other day, like, they, uh, uh, the teacher in our English class or reading class uh, would, like, sit down and read a chapter from a book. Um, I remember we did mm-hmm. that with, like, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, and I think, oh, I forget the other one we did, but I remember, like, around Christmas time, we did a Christmas carol. She would, like, read, every day she'd, like, read a chapter from a Christmas carol, and I think that was around fourth grade or so. Do you ever remember uh, reading it or anything like that when you were a kid? Um, as far as reading, I don't have any memories that I can think of right now as far as ever reading uh, A Christmas Carol. The earliest, my earliest exposure to it, I would have to say, was Mickey's Christmas Carol. I forget what year that was from. I think it was like early 90s that that came out, but, um, or I mean, I could be wrong. But that's early 80s, damn. Um, but, uh, that is the earliest I can remember seeing a version of that story until Muppet Christmas Carol, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. But, um, but I mean, it had to have been Mickey's Christmas Carol. I remember we had a VHS tape where we taped all of the TV specials for Christmas and we had it all on that tape and we buzz out that VHS tape every year, um, from like the... Early to mid '90s, I, I watched it religiously. There was, you know, Rudolph was on there, um, Mickey's Christmas Carol, Frosty the Snowman was on there, a couple other ones. So um, Charlie Brown Christmas. Yes, there was. Um, what else? I, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town was on that. So we we taped everything. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas was on there too. So it was like, uh, <laughs> you know, that that was. Well, we always watched, you know, because, you know, the, the TV specials, you kind of had to just kind of catch them. They weren't always like on all the time. So you kind of right. know, OK, when it was going to be on TV so you could watch it. You know, we taped it that first year and that's what we kind of used going forward. But I remember Mickey's Christmas Carol was the first time I ever kind of saw a version of a Christmas Carol. So I'm going to I'm going to take our first little detour here uh, because you brought up some of these old old Christmas specials. You mentioned, you know, Rudolph and Santa Claus is coming to town. Um those old Rankin Bass specials, right? Um, first of all, like they, they every year I feel like they come out with like a new DVD or Blu-ray version of it, like in a new package. But so uh, the, it's usually like the 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 three main ones, like the the 
the three, like the main eventers, right, are always Santa Claus is coming to town, Rudolph, and Frosty, which was not claymation. It was actually just regular animation. Animation, yep. Um, those are like the three main eventers. But how many of like the of the mid carters have you seen? Like the Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, or uh, um, <laughs> the uh, um, um, Rudolph's shiny New Year, or, oh, God, um, or Jack Frost, the the not the Jack Frost with Michael Keaton, the one from the seventies with with like Jack like the, the not, guy. not 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 the murderer Jack Frost, no no from like the seventies, like that one. Uh, I think there's a Halloween one called Mad Monster Party, which I've never seen. Uh, but yeah, how many of those have you seen? Well, how would you classify Year Without a Santa Claus? Because I used to think oh. it was one of the, the the lower tier, but I kind of grown to like that over the years. Yeah, see that one. I don't think it gets the love that the other three get, like the Santa Claus is coming to town, Rudolph and Frosty. But it's also up there because it does have the Heat Miser song, which yes. is an awesome song. Uh, the Heat Miser song is pretty awesome, but that movie is so weird. It, it, exactly. It's so weird. <laughs> I do like that one, though. That one's a good one. Yeah, that one I've grown an appreciation for in the last few years when I used to think it was out. I, I used to think it was right up there with Rudolph's Shiny New Year. But then I actually kind of caught it, uh, I think, a few years ago. And I was like, you know what? I, notwithstanding the, you know, the Heat Miser and the Snow Miser songs, which are awesome, this is not a bad, you know, little program. And then I kind of grown fond of it after that so i mean i don't know if it's like top top tier but definitely is not doesn't belong on the bottom with the other ones yeah it's it's like yeah it's like uh it's a mid carter like for sure it's not it's not um it's not getting the belt but it's it's it might be like second to last from the top right. of the card, you know <laughs> it's a weird one though that one i i don't think they're any weirder than i mean they're all weird rankin bass movies were always weird um like but i think the weirdest one has to be uh, Rudolph's Shiny New Year. That one is like a drug trip, man. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Well, I don't know if it was you that showed me that video of somebody, I think, reviewing Rudolph's Shiny New Year, and it was like, I don't know. I, I can't remember what it was, but it was something that was sent to I don't know if it was you or somebody that sent me a video of somebody, like, talking about it on YouTube, and it was, like, the funniest thing ever. So no, I may have to look at that again. That wasn't me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> if you got if if any if you guys listening to this can track that one down, I'm sure it's on some. You can rent it digitally somewhere, but it's it's probably the weirdest one when, and especially when it comes to Rankin Bass, that's saying something. Because I mean, Rudolph, as treasured as it is, is a weird story. <laughs> um, Santa Claus is coming to town is kind of a weird story, but the but man, Rudolph's shiny New Year. That's that's the weirdest one. I the I, I, hands down. Yes, definitely. Um. But uh, getting back to Christmas Carol, um, but yeah, I, I think like I said, th that's the first time I remember hearing the story was like in when I was in elementary school, and our teacher would like read us a chapter of it every day. I think that was the first time I remember reading the story. I don't know if that predated me seeing a version of it or not. Um, but w like, so you mentioned the first one, uh, the first version you saw was probably Mickey's Christmas Carol, then, right? right? I think that's the first version I saw as well that I can remember seeing. Um, and for those who don't know, this one's uh, Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck is Scrooge himself. Uh, that's an obvious choice, right? Um, and it was I. It didn't take it. It wasn't until like much later in life that I realized that 
Scrooge the char- Scrooge McDuck the character came first, and then they made him Scrooge in the Mickey's Christmas Carol. Right, like because I grew up with Ducktales, right, where where uh, where he was where he was the main character. But I also remember seeing Mickey's Christmas Carol first, so I thought, oh, they took Scrooge from Mickey's Christmas Carol, made him the main character in Ducktales. But no, Scrooge McDuck was like an old time like Disney creation, even even had his own comic books. Um, and then they made him Scrooge naturally in Mickey's Christmas Carol. Right. Um, and uh, in that version, you get Mickey as Bob Cratchit. Donald is uh, his nephew. I don't think they call him Fred, though. I think they just call him Donald. Um, and then Daisy Duck gets the gets the job as his old uh, his old girlfriend. Right. The ghost of Christmas past who's the ghost of christmas past in mickey's christmas Carol? and the past is jiminy oh it's jiminy Cr- that makes sense yeah. and then like the goofy giant is the christmas present right and then who's christmas future in that one is it uh, pete? pete yep okay all right that makes sense yeah that one's only like about half an hour long um and i think it was released theatrically back in the day as like a short film like ahead of like another disney release at the time and i don't know what it could have maybe fox and the hound would have been around that time um, but yeah, it was released theatrically. I, I remember that. Remember that. Um, how do you rate uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol? Oh, I have very fond memories of that one because that was again that's the one I grew up on before the Muppet Christmas Carol came along. So um, I'd watch it every year, and it, I'll, I'm planning on watching it again this year. This you know Christmas is coming up this week, so I still have a few of my favorites that I, I haven't put Jingle all the way on yet. So <laughs> I'm definitely getting some some uh, screenings of that this week but um but yeah i'm definitely gonna pop that one in because i just they just they they keep it so simple you know you know some of these you know adaptations especially the feature length ones you know i just watched this george c scott one again today you know it it, they kind of go into as much of the book as they can reasonably but like you know you you just you hit the 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 right beats you hit the the popular beats and then you you can get the story done in half an hour as, as this proves so you know it was like it's it's a great way to introduce kids to the story, and then maybe they can read the book and get the more you know finer details of it, the more uh, deeper details, and then you know maybe some of the movies can help with that too. Yeah, and and it really shows that um like you can really just slot in any characters uh and and make the story work right. Um, and we'll go with like we'll go with some other examples a little bit later, but I did look up some facts here. Um. It was released October 1983 in the UK first, uh, alongside a re-release of the Jungle Book, and in the US in, on December 16th, which is kind of late in the season to release it, um, yeah. alongside a reissue of the Rescuers, the original Rescuers. Ah, okay. so that's that's where it came out, uh, and it was also nominated for an Academy Award for Short Film, Best Animated Short Film, and it was the first time a Mickey Mouse short had been animated since the 1948 Mickey and the Seal, which Ooh. I think is an interesting tidbit there. Um, uh, but yeah, Scrooge McDuck was uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, played by Alan Young, who played Scrooge McDuck for decades before he uh, before he died. Mickey Mouse is Bob Cratchit. Goofy was Marley's ghost, which is an odd one to pick for Goofy. You're right. Jiminy Cricket was his past. Willie the Giant present. Pete future. Donald Duck was Fred. Uh, they did call him Fred, apparently. Daisy Duck was Belle. Uh, Fezziwig was Toad from The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Toad, yep. Um, and Minnie Mouse was Mrs. Cratchit, obviously. And those are the most, uh, yeah, those are the biggest ones I can see here. Um, 
but yeah, that that was a that was a fun one. That that's one or at least ones that I remember. Um, and one thing I did kind of want to get into is uh, because the story is kind of so universal and everyone knows it. Uh, I, the interesting thing that I found out is that it has been adapted to either film or television 135 times. Now that includes like feature length movies that includes uh, animated shorts like we like with Mickey's Christmas Carol, but it also includes I feel like every like sitcom in the 80s or 90s had like uh, a special like Christmas episode that was kind of based around that. So it includes that as well. So like 135 different times that's um that that's like Sherlock Holmes number or Robin Hood numbers, right? Like yeah. the, like those are the like the characters that people keep, you know, uh recycling over and over. Um sorry, you were going to say something? I don't know. Go, go ahead. Um so like I said they've been you know, adapting it for pretty much as long as film has been around. What is what is the oldest version that you have seen? The oldest version. You know, it's so funny. I was this close because it was on Amazon Prime. I almost watched the um, which one was it? The uh, 1922, the silent version of Scrooge, which is on. It's free with Amazon Prime. And I almost watched it today, but I elected to watch something else instead, which you know we're gonna get to later. Um, but um, that's the one starring uh, Henry V. Osmond. Um, and that one, it's only 18 minutes, so it would have been a short watch. But I elected to do, watch something else instead. But as far as the oldest one that I remember seeing, it had to have been the one with uh, Reginald Owen, 1938. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, you have the other ones that are like like the musical version. Now, the musical version kind of have a funny story to go with that. The 1970 one with Albert Finney. Mm-hmm. So um, my cousin, I think it was I think it was last year. It had to have been last year. It was either last year or it was 2019. I don't remember <laughs> anymore. No, I think it was 2019, actually. Um, he actually started an ad- a school adaptation of Scrooge for his school. <laughs> Um, and some of the songs, like at, now at that time, I hadn't seen Scrooge. Um, I only watched it because of him being in the play, so I kind of wanted to be familiar with it. But some of these songs are catchy. Uh, oh, totally. Like, I, I don't know. You've seen it, right? So, like, yeah, I see it. Like, thank you very much. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's the best song in that, that whole show. <laughs> And I love it because it's 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 uh, in the movie. It's because it's in the close of Christmas yet to come segment where uh, Scrooge is dead. dead. He doesn't realize that they're all singing because he's dead. Dead. Yep. It's a great. It's a great. And then of course at the end it changes because like he's you know he's uh, redeemed himself and like is becoming nicer. So now everyone's actually saying it, you know, like genuinely thanking him very much but uh but yeah that's a great song and i love that song i think about it all the time yes yes <laughs> but yeah but as far as oldest one that i've seen is 1938 but like i think the older one that i have a fondness for is not just you know alistair sims but it's also i like the george c scott which i just rewatched today and then definitely this one which i need to rewatch again because i haven't seen it in a couple of years so so the the oldest one i've ever actually seen is the um the earliest known version, which is the Scrooge or Marley's Ghost, which came out in 1901. Uh, it's you can find it on YouTube. Um, it's public domain. But here in, um, in Chicago, there's a there's a, a museum called the Museum of Science and Industry, and there's a um, 
there's a section of it of the museum that's like an old timey like 1920s kind of area where you can go down and see what things look like the 1920s and there's like a little movie theater and they always show like like silent films like they always show like and then by movie theater it's like you don't pay to go in it's just like part of the exhibit like you go and you sit down and there's like a movie playing right and it's like there's like a piano in the front that's like kind of playing the the score and like a like a player piano no one's actually playing it's just kind of there for show um and then every there's like benches instead of like movie theater seats mm-hmm. um and they're always showing like throughout the year it's always like a harold lloyd short or charlie chaplin short but on christmas they always show the this version of scrooge scrooge or marley's ghost and it's like maybe 10 minutes long maybe yeah um and so i've seen it that's how i've seen it i think i've seen it on youtube but but it's it's interesting like if you don't know the story of scrooge at all and you watch that first you're not gonna get anything that's happening because <laughs> you know it's it's like 10 minute movie and it's like like barely surviving footage you know what i mean so that's the earliest one but i think um after that it might be the the Reginald Owen version. Um, yeah. I think I've seen the 1935 one with Seymour Hicks, but I don't remember anything about it. Uh, but I do know I've seen the the Reginald Owen one a bunch. Um, if you want to talk about that one real quick. Um, that one, I think, is the one that a lot of people are familiar with as far as classic movies go, because uh, TCM usually plays a lot of it. Right. Plays it a lot. Uh, what do you think about the Reginald Owen version? Um, now this one I haven't seen in a, a, a while. Um, I think the first time I saw it was when I was doing my TCM kick, which was like at this point was like ten years ago, when I was like you know, and it was, this is all your fault by the way, because I was um, you bought had sent me that book for Christmas that year, the one thousand one movies to see before you die. Right. So like I was like checking off everything as I was watching it, and of course TCM was showing all of these. So like I would like frankly like go through their schedule and then just dvr everything and then just watch it at my convenience and this happened to be one of them um like so but that again it's, it's it's been a long time so i don't remember too much of it um but i do remember really enjoying his uh original owens performance and just kind of you know it's a christmas carol so like what else can you really say about it yeah and it's super short it's like an hour in like a couple of minutes it's like maybe an hour and 10 minutes or something it's super it's very efficient with its time you know it like gets in and out it doesn't waste time at all mm-hmm. um reginald owen is not a, an actor i had i've seen in a lot of other classic movies i think what most people would probably recognize him if it's not for scrooge is probably uh from mary poppins because he's admiral boom and mary poppins oh um, yeah that's right yeah he's admiral boom and mary poppins and um and in the Mary Poppins Return, it's David Warner, who was Bob Cratchit in the yeah, 84 it, one with, with uh, George, George C. Scott. Scott. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but yeah, anyway, so uh, I like this version. The, I, I think it's not my favorite because um, I actually I love A Christmas Carol, like the story itself. I've always loved it since I, I remember having it read to me in, as a kid. But um, it's not my favorite one because uh, even though it's well told and well done and well acted, what I don't like about it is that it takes a couple of liberties with the story. Like there's a couple things in there that like don't ever happen in the book. Like uh, in this version, Cratchit gets fired because he throws a snowball at Scrooge at one point. Um, and it's kind, of, what, it's kind of funny because he throws this, this snowball at Scrooge and, and Scrooge fires him. And he's like, Cratchit's like, well, you know, I do owe, you do owe me like a week's worth of pay. And he's like, well, with the cost of my hat that you just ruined, you actually owe me a shilling. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> so that, that was always funny. Um, but it's it's good. But my my only big issue with it is that um, he has his change of heart after the Ghost of Christmas Present segment. So like, then he still does the Ghost of Christmas Future segment. But it's like, why? Because he's already had his he's already changed his mind. He's already changed, yeah. Like, so there's no point to having the, the ghost of Christmas. Like, it's just now you're just now you're just terrorizing him just to terrorize him. Because like in other adaptations, like by the end of the Christmas present segment, he's like he has started to change, but he's not quite there yet. So you still need to like strike the fear in him. But in this version, he's like, I love Christmas. But then like the ghost of Christmas uh, yet to come comes, and you're like, Oh, well, we're still gonna scare the crap out of you anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, then we're going to talk about it later, but I felt this kind of the same way with um, Muppet Christmas Carol, which by the end of present, it seemed like he was already, like, redeemed, but they still made him go through the uh, Ghost of Christmas Future segment. I'm like, ah, I mean, is this really necessary now? But, I mean, yeah. you got to stick to the script. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other kind of major uh, actor in here is uh, Gene Lockhart, who... Um, uh, other uh, another Christmas uh, alum movie alum here. He plays the judge in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Um, uh, yeah, he's uh, it, this is a pretty it's a it's a very good adaptation, very worth much worth watching. Uh, if TCS if TCM hasn't played it already, they will be playing it soon. Uh, it's a pretty much a Christmas staple every year on that channel. Um, let's see here. Um, the other version, I think this might be my favorite as far as like. Um, closest adaptation as far as like the best adaptation of it is the 1951 Alistair Sim version. That's the one everybody talks about. Like when when you bring up you know a Christmas Carol, you have to bring up this version because Alistair Sim was just he's amazing in this. Like he's, yeah, he's just really good. He just um like I don't know how else to describe it. Like you know he kind of just embodies that character so not to say that none of the other actors that portrayed him do but there was just something about him his performance that kind of just you know you uh kind of sympathize with him a little early just kind of you know the way he he moves the way got kind of a stage presence and everything and he kind of just draws you in just immediately with this performance yeah um he's he's one of the best scrooges i think and i and uh it's funny because I think there's a difference between your favorite version and the best version. I think this is the best version as far as, um, you know, accuracy to the book and just like as far as like technical filmmaking and everything. And this is the best adaptation. Um, and they do they actually do add stuff to it, um, but it it's not stuff that I think takes away from it. Like they show they show a scene in the Christmas past sequence where he and Marley kind of like. Uh, they start work before they take over the, the the accounting house or the whatever the loan house, whatever it's called. Um, they work for somebody else who's like who ends up being like an embezzler, and then they take over from him. Right. Um, and that's not in the book, but it's interesting that they added that. But it actually adds to it because whenever they're sitting there talking with like the board of directors, they're like, you know, we'll take it over for you if you give us like fifty one percent of the company, and uh, it'll save you a lot of embarrassment, you know, from whenever this gets out to the, the public, you know. So it, like it shows early how like ruthless he is. Yeah. Um, which is a very, it's a good it, it. I think it's a good um. It's a good addition to the story. Um, but yeah, I think this might be the best version of it uh, as far as adaptation goes. Um, and I think you write about Alistair Sim. You do feel a lot of sympathy for him. 
and it starts kind of early, like in the in the Christmas past segment. Like he starts, you see that he's just like, I don't, I don't want to relive this. Don't, don't make me redo this again. Yeah. Um, and then during the presence segment, he has already started to change. But the reason he still needs to go through the Christmas yet to come segment is because he, even though he started to change, he's he's kind of at the point where he's like. But I'm too old to change. I can't do that right now. I, it's too late for me. Like, right. there's no point in me changing now. Like, so he has kind of already started to understand what he's lived his life wrong, but he still need he still does need that extra push from Christmas yet to come. So I think that's always interesting. Yes, yes. But uh, this great adaptation, which I still haven't watched this year, but you know, I um, like I said, it's on my list to watch uh, before uh, next next weekend. So. Definitely and, looking forward to it. And this one's frustrating because it's not readily available streaming. Right. Um, I found it on, I did find it on Amazon. No, not Amazon Prime. You have to buy it on Amazon streaming. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you can buy the, the digital, or sorry, the physical copy, which obviously I'm, I'm a proponent of anyway. But right. for convenience sake, this one's really, it's the hardest one to track down, I think. Which it shouldn't be, because, again, this is probably one of the most popular adaptations, but I don't know, yeah, I know. what the it's, deal is there. Yeah, it's probably one of the most popular ones. It is probably the most accurate one. Um, and if it wasn't for another one we're going to talk about later, he's probably my favorite Scrooge himself. Right. I already uh, know where you're going with that. I know, we're, we're going with that. Um, and I, I have a couple I'm going to going to talk about but if you have other versions that i miss or skip i'm kind of going in chronological order just just jump in with them okay yeah sure um the other one uh i have here is we talked about a little earlier is the uh 1970 scrooge version uh with uh albert finney which is the musical version yes um what overall what do you think about this version it's wacky it's, so. it's, it's very so wacky, but it's an enjoyable kind of wacky. You kind of just sit back and kind of just laugh at kind of the ridiculousness of it, but at least it's it kind of stays true to the broader outline of the story. You know? it, it does, but I just... There's something about it that, like, I can't... It, there's something that prevents me from, like, loving it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's just... I think it's Albert Finney, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I think he's too hammy. Like, don't you think he's kind of hammy in this Yeah, one? yeah, I can see that. I can definitely um, agree with that. Like, he's just like the, he's doing like the, you know how like when you're a kid and you're like making, doing an impression of like an old man? That's what he's doing in this movie, <laughs> you know? He's like doing the hunched over and he's like, hey, he's talking like this. Like, it's so, it's, it's so hammy. <laughs> and I can't take it seriously. And then you have, and speaking of hammy, you have Obi-Wan himself, Sir Alec Guinness and yes. Jake Marley. Yeah. Oh my God, is he chew up scenery. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> he uses up so much scenery in this movie. Um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, the songs are good. I, I like the. Um, I like. I said we talked about. Thank you very much. I really like that song. I also like the I like life song. That's a good one too. Um, and Father Christmas, is, I think, is the first song in the movie uh, where they're kind of making fun of Scrooge. Those are all good. Those are all good songs. Yeah. Um, it's just a weird. It's kind of just a weird adaptation. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I can definitely see that, but like, I can kind of—I remember enjoying it for what it was. Because remember, I initially wouldn't have watched this if my cousin wasn't doing that, starring in an adaptation of it uh, for his school. So I watched it, and then I just kind of ended up really enjoying the hell out of this um, in one of the kind of like a kitschy sort of way, you know? 
but um, but it's definitely going to be on my rotation. Uh, definitely on my rotation this week too. So I got to definitely seek that one out and watch it again because uh, if only just for the wacky songs, uh, I do enjoy this one very much. No pun intended. I, I will say though, um, this one does have uh really 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 nice like set design yes. and costume design it's like a beautiful movie it's like really really well i don't know if it was nominated for anything but it was it's like a really well produced film uh cheesiness aside um let me just see if they have any uh oscar noms let me just look it up real quick it does it has best art direction it didn't win any of these but it has best art direction best costume design Best original score and best song for Thank You Very, very much. much. There you go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right. I love that song. Um, and I'm trying to think. Uh, and it also has this weird kind of during the Ghost of Christmas Past segment, this like weird flashback to like to like you because in the in every other adaptation, you really only see him and Belle and her name always changes. Let's either Belle or Alice or whatever, but yeah. him and Belle, like not in Christmas time. Like you see him, you see him like, like in like a boat in the summer or something like that. Like it's, it's, they, they jump around a lot. They don't do just Christmas for that one, which I think is interesting. Yeah, definitely. And then in the end, during the Christmas yet to come, they show him in hell. Yeah, <laughs> they, I remember that. <laughs> they show him in hell and he's like, um, like Obi-Wan is down like she Obi-Wan. But uh is. is down there. And he's like showing him he's like, Oh, the devils have been making your chain. It's a huge one. <laughs> uh it's 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 a wacky one. It, it's definitely worth watching, but it's I think it's a little it's it's kinda wacky. I I would just go into it expecting to be a little to be a little off the wall. Yeah. Um, so what part did your cousin play? He was uh, in the company, so he came out for all of the musical segments. Nice. So then, um, since the "Thank You Very Much" was nominated for an Oscar that for original song, that means this version came first before like stage adaptations of of this came. Then, right? Right. Interesting. I would have thought it was the other way around, but oh, interesting. But you know what is funny? Speaking of stage adaptations, I do remember for the longest time, and I think it's like early '90s. Now, you had to have lived in, like, the New York, New Jersey area to remember this at the time. But I don't know how long this one. It must have been about a couple years. But every Christmas, they would do a stage adaptation of A Christmas Carol. I don't think it was the musical one. I don't, I don't think. I could look this up. But they always had an adaptation at Madison Square Garden that they showed every Christmas. From, like, no, from around Thanksgiving till about maybe, like, early January. Like, the same time that they had the Rockette special. At Radio City, but um, that commercial for the Christmas Carol adaptation at MSG was on all the time during Christmas. I still remember, like, probably re- I can probably recite it off the top of my head if I wanted to, if I really thought about it. But um, ah, and I, and so I always want. This was like me, like a six, seven year old twerp. I always wanted to go to it, but unfortunately, I never got to go. But uh, I still remember those commercials, you know, just playing all the time during Christmas because, you know, the um. That uh, MSG uh, show was a very, very popular, very popular show. I could probably look up the commercial on YouTube. Yeah, I was also. about to say you could probably find it on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if the, I wonder if there's any like surviving footage of it. But I mean, I'm gonna look it up now, actually, uh, because I remember where is it? Let me go to uh, stage adaptations. 
it, it was early 90s. Well, early to mid 90s, actually. Hold on, let me see. So Christmas Carol. The, is it the musical? I think it was this one. A Christmas Carol, the musical. Yep, that's the one. So it was a musical. So it must have been like the same. Uh, did they use the same songs as from Scrooge, though? Let me see. Scenes and musical numbers. No, these are different songs. So it's a completely different like musical uh, adaptation. Because I don't see Thank You Very Much on here, so which is disappointing. Um, yeah, they did this. Um, 19, it was 1994, Madison Square Garden. And then that adaptation ran until 2003. So ran about 10 years, pretty wow. much. It's interesting. And let's see. So in its history, it says uh, Terrence Mann, Tony Randall, Hal Linden, Roddy McDowell in his final role. F. Murray Abraham, Frank Langella, Tim Curry, Tony Roberts, Roger Tim Daltrey. Curry. Roger Daltrey and Jim Dale have all portrayed Scrooge in this MSG adaptation. Wait, I, the Who's Roger Daltrey? Yeah, uh, let's see. Yep, from the rock band The Who. That's right. That's him. He acted. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Tim Curry makes a lot of sense. Uh, he also did a, a, a. He also voiced an animated adaptation, I think, from like 97, because it was on the. Um, Jingle All the Way VHS, the commercial for this. Uh, uh, so, I didn't even know about that. Yes, there's an animated adaptation. I forgot who else was in it. I think Whoopi Goldberg was in it, too. I think. So now I'm going to go look that one up. Because I remember the, the uh, commercial attached to the Jingle All the Way uh, VHS that I have. Now, Jingle All the Way is one that my kids have not yet watched. Which they should, and they're going to grow to like it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the only good part of that movie is put the cookies down. That's it. <laughs> Put that cookie down. Okay, see Tim Curry. So it's '97 uh, from Deke Productions. Remember Deke? Yes, I do. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, and it was released by 20th Century Fox. Uh, Tim Curry as Scrooge, Whoopi Goldberg as Ghost of Christmas Presents, Michael York as Bob Cratchit, Ed Asner as Marley's Ghost, Frank Welker as Debit. I don't know who that is. Frank Welker. Uh, nice. Yeah. And uh, I don't recognize any of the other actors here. So, but those are the main people. <laughs> Interesting. So, while you're looking that stuff up, I, I looked up some of the reviews for this version. I think it's kind of funny. Now, most of them were good reviews, but here are some some negative ones that I thought were funny. Um, Roger Ebert gave it three stars, and he says it works very nicely on its intended level for kids, and the kids sitting near me seem to be having a good time. But then he said. <laughs> Um, of the songs, they fall so far below the level of good musical comedy that you wish Albert Finney would stop singing them until you realize he isn't really singing. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see here. The other one was Pauline Kael, uh, always known as a very tough critic. She said, um, innocuous musical version of A Christmas Carol starring Albert Finney, Finney looking glum. The music is so forgettable that your mind flushes it while you're hearing it. Ouch. Oh, wow. Um, this one is a little more nicer. This is from the New York Daily News. Uh, let's see here. Um, beginning of the quote is... Uh, pleasant, but unfortunately forgettable. The songs were pleasant, but unfortunately forgettable, with the exception of Thank You Very Much. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, a lot of people don't like the, the music in this one. It's interesting. Oh, that, that, well, that's terrible, because the music is great. Music is but, pretty good. But I'm about to pop you with this. So uh, let me see. Ghost of Christmas Presents. This is from the MSG show. Um, in the years of 1999 and 2001, 
the ghost of Christmas present was played by none other than Carl Winslow himself, Reginald Bell Johnson. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. That is a good one. And then, that's, a good, uh, that's a good pull. Right and there. That's great. Tim Curry was Scrooge in the 2001 uh, production. F. Murray Abraham was 02. Roger Daltrey was 98. He played Scrooge. Uh, Roddy McDowell was 97. And Tony Randall was 96. Tony Randall. I don't see him as a Scrooge. I don't see really? him as a Scrooge at all. Like, I, 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 I don't know. He's too, like, I don't know. He's too, like, lovable or something. I don't know. He doesn't seem like a Scrooge to me. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, because I, I still, you know, of course, the odd couple, right? Tony Randall. Right. But, um, but I mean, seeing the Reginald Bell Johnson thing just popped me right now. That's perfect casting. It, that is awesome. Now I wish I would have seen this. Okay. I did skip over one. Uh, one version. Unless there's anything else you want to say about this version. No, no, no. We're, uh, we're I, good. I, I did skip over an animated one that I remember watching when I was a kid. Uh, and I've watched it once or twice since I've been an adult. Have you ever seen Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol? No, I, I heard of it. I had never seen it. It's pretty It's pretty good. The only thing is, like, it's funny because the conceit of the, of the it's about an hour long. Um, and the conceit of it is that Mr. Magoo is a Broadway actor. And <laughs> so, like, the so it's bookended. By him, you know, arriving to the play, and then the the at the end of it is him like you know at the end of the play like you know taking his bows and everything. But what's funny is like at the beginning and the end, he's in full Mr. Magoo. He like he can't see anything. Like you know he's doing all the crazy like the 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 goofy Mr. Magoo gags, right? But then in the middle when he's playing Scrooge, so that that's the thing is like he's a Broadway actor who's playing Scrooge on stage. And in the in the middle, when it's like when he's Scrooge, and it's like a straightforward like telling a Scrooge, like he doesn't do any of the Mr. Magoo stuff. Like he's he's just playing it straight, which right. I think is kind of interesting. Um, it's a silly it's a silly version. It for whatever reason it flips present and past. It does present first and then it goes past. I don't know why they do that, um, but it, it's a, it's a silly version. Um, and I, I think they sometimes throw it on like maybe like the frosty dvd or like the rudolph dvd or something as an extra like it's never i don't think it's ever released by itself it's always like oh, as a wow. DVD extra or something i know it's on one of my dvds as an extra um but it's 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 worth watching it's not the best version at all but it's worth watching just to see like mr magoo play scrooge well did you know also that um the uh 1970 they they remade it on netflix as an animated movie this year it came out this year yeah, I was gonna say that was gonna bring that up. Like, I haven't watched it, but I heard that they they did do a, a new version with, uh, that's animated with, with the, the songs, like, with yeah. the songs and everything. I just looked up the uh, the song list. Thank you very much is on there. So now this this is getting a watch for me. But check this out. Uh, so Luke Evans is is voicing Scrooge. Olivia Coleman is the Ghost of Christmas Past. Uh, Jesse Buckley is Isabel, and uh, Jonathan Price is Jacob Marley. So that's already that's a good cast already. So. I'm it's not a bad cast. I might check it out. Uh, how how long is it? It's just ninety-seven minutes. That's not bad. I might check that out. We'll see. Um, if it gets me away from watching Jingle all the way, I'll definitely watch. Nah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that did come out this year. I think it came out like in November or something. Um, and it's it's streaming now on Netflix. But I have I have I cannot uh, talk of its quality or not because I've not seen it. Right. Um. So I'm going to jump a little, uh, about a decade and go into the 1984 version with um, with George C. Scott. Um, this is a this is also a very good adaptation as far as like um, 
like taking everything from the book and like just making it like a straightforward adaptation. Um, the only thing that sticks out in this movie is, and I'm not sure if you've ever noticed. Let me tell me if you notice it. Everything looks like like authentic and like really pretty and like really right. well designed, except the ghost of Christmas Past's hair. It's so eighties, <laughs> dude. It's so eighties. She looks like Tina Turner. Like it's the like poofed out like like eighties like music video hair, and it like is so distracting every time I see it. Uh, I mean, this was actually a first watch for me. So, um, yes, the hair did stick out. No pun intended. But um, <laughs> um, I didn't really think much of it. But yes. It is the quintessential 80s hair, I gotta say. It was um, just uh... It's just so distracting to me. I don't know why. But it's a beautiful adaptation. Like, you know, it, really nice sets and, and uh, costume design and everything. George C. Scott, I think, he rides the line. Like, when he's just, like, he, he does, like, he does a good job. But there are times when he, like, goes way into ham mode. I'm not sure if you noticed. Like... <laughs> But like where he like will suddenly be talking and then he'll be like really loud. <laughs> like <laughs> did you do notice that? Yes, I actually did notice that. And what's funny about me watching this today too was the fact that um now I'm assuming that these lines are right out of the book because most of these uh most of the dialogue is the same exact dialogue that was used in a Muppet Christmas card, which I watched last night. So it was kind of funny, like seeing George C. Scott say the same lines that Michael Caine was saying, like literally word for word, the exact same lines. And it's like, so these these have to have been like ripped from the book or something, because it's either that or Muppet Christmas Carol copied this version as far as the dialogue. But I mean, I don't think that's the case. No, it, most of the dialogue is pretty spot on from the book. Um, yeah, it it um. It's a pretty good. He does a good Scrooge. I think he does a really good Scrooge. Um, if they're going to die. Then they'd better do it. <laughs> Decrease the surplus population. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, one thing that always kind of makes it, I always kind of laugh at during the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come sequence is in almost every version, almost every version, whenever like they're showing him, like, you know, like these people that rob the corpse and are selling the stuff for the pawn shop. And then sometimes he'll show like that he's, he's in a room with like a dead body, but it's covered up. You don't see who it is. It's like, he's always like, it's like, Oh, that's that. I don't know who that is. That's I, I'm going to, I know what you're trying to tell me. I might end up like this guy, but it's like, dude, how do you not know that's No, right. like, why would they be showing you this guy? This has all been about you. It's been about your past. It's been about your present. And you think it's about some other guy now for the future? What are you like? You're like deluding yourself. Like, yeah. come on, man. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that was kind of weird too when I was watching it. But, but I mean, yeah, they, they, they got to make it a little different. Um, but yeah, I think the George C. Scott version, now it's a made for television uh, movie. I don't remember when it's 1984. Um, I don't know what network it aired. Oh, CBS sort of says CBS. It aired on CBS. It is a very good version. Um, and pretty good special effects at the time. One thing I do want to note note is uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present was played by um, uh, what's his name, Edward Woodward. And do you know where you may have seen Edward Woodward before? Uh, no, but I think you're going to tell me in a couple seconds. He is the main character in the original Wicker Man. 
<laughs> I have I so I just bought the Wicker Man about six months ago, I think. The four disc limited edition from overseas, region B. So I have it sitting downstairs waiting to be opened. Um, I think it's in 4K as well. So I've been nice. just dying to watch this. But of course, along with my other things, especially the stuff from Vinegar I just got is, well, let's just say I'm going to keep myself productive because uh, um, after Wednesday, I'm off until the following Tuesday for Christmas. So um, I have a lot of movies to watch in that time. Let's just, nice. let's just put it that way. Yeah, put that on. That's a that's always a good that's always a good watch. Yeah. Um, and especially like if you've seen Midsummer recently, it's a good companion to Midsummer. Yes, I was going to do a double feature of that uh, actually. I, I've been meaning to give Midsummer. A, a I mean, re-watch. that's that's a depressing double feature. Because yeah. <laughs> I think Midsummer is one of the most legitimately depressing movies I think I've seen in a long time. Right. Um, but yeah, this one is pretty good. Also in this movie, uh, uh, Susanna York as um the uh, as Mrs. Cratchit. And as I said, Bob Crash was played by David Warner, who we just lost this year, unfortunately. Um, the other major actor that we would know is um, Alfred Pennyworth himself. Uh, was one Michael of the Goff, uh, Michael yep. Goff was one of the um, one of the guys soliciting charity from Scrooge. Yeah, so that was uh, an interesting, uh, interesting. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's Alfred. I always forget that he's in this. Um, another little tidbit is that the tombstone. Um, from this movie that says Ebenezer Scrooge is still sitting uh, in a in a in a church in see Shrewsbury is what it's called. So they made a real tombstone and they put it in a real churchyard and it's still there. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, this is a pretty this is a pretty good version. Um, if, uh, any any other thoughts on this one? Um, not really. I do like. Um... I, it was just so again because I just watched Muppet Christmas Carol, expecting like that ending with that three ball, like the turkey and everything, and they they had it sent to the house. I thought he was gonna have bring like a whole bunch of people with him to uh, to for dinner, but like it ends a little differently. Like you know, they had the um, it's the day after Christmas, I think, where Bob Cratchit goes back to work and he kind of chides him for being late with the little ruse before he kind of goes, "Oh look, I've changed. Now I'm nice now." So. But, um, but no, I really enjoyed it. I loved um, George C. Scott. I mean, he, he was a little weird at times, like you were saying. But um, overall, I did really kind of like his interpretation of it as well. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to get to Muppet Christmas Carol. But chronologically, I do want to talk about this one real quick. Because... Oh, before, actually, I, not, oh, slight tangents. Slight sure. tangents. But um, did you? speaking of Midsummer, did you see the uh, couple's costume that was popular this year from that movie? No. For Halloween. Um, so, because I've seen a, I think somebody on Twitter put this up, and then I actually saw pictures from like New York, the, all the Halloween parties around there. So, the one was the May Queen, and one was the Bear. So, oh. if you've seen Midsummer, oh. you know what I'm talking about. Oh. So, of course, the guy is usually the Bear, and the girl is the, uh, oh, yeah. the May Queen. But Oh, yeah. I, I saw that, and I, I started dying. I was like, these people are creative, very. Creative. <laughs> but I, that 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 would have been that would not have been yeah that would not have been my first choice for a couple's costume. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> that movie, man. You know, I like I like we, we talked about the Wicker Man. I can rewatch the Wicker Man, but like that Midsummer just it just kind of messed me up. Like I don't yeah. know if I'm ever gonna watch Midsummer again. Like <laughs> it's it's just so 
it's upsetting. Well, <laughs> you know I've I mean? seen Just, it three times already. From the get-go, like from the beginning, when like you see like the sister who committed suicide, that whole scene is kind of like upsetting. The right. whole thing with like uh uh like where she's like sees that she like the dude is cheating on her and she just goes into this wail of grief. Yeah. Like oh th- that whole movie and then of course the ending is just oh and then the oh. it's suicide oh man that whole movie, dude that movie is upsetting. I don't think it, it is. is. It's it's it a is. hard watch and it's it hard is. for me like I'll watch like Requiem for a Dream. You know I'll watch the I just bought I'll that watch, actually. You know I'll watch these movies that are like rough to watch but Midsummer just touched a nerve man I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a good movie, but it touched a nerve. <laughs> oh, I, I can definitely see that. Um, but speaking of uh, kind of darkness, <laughs> before we get to Muppet Christmas Carol, speaking of darkness, let's talk about uh, Scrooged. Um, oh, that's a great one. That's which takes one. the um, which takes the uh, Christmas Carol formula, updates it to modern day or 1988 when it came out. Uh, and instead of he, uh, Scrooge being like a like a money lender, he is a television executive in the form of Bill Murray, and you know he uh, it, it, then it follows kind of more or less the same formula, although it has a bit of a happier ending in my opinion. Um, this is probably next to Muppet Christmas Carol, probably the version of a Christmas Carol I've seen the most because this was back in the day like an HBO staple. This was on all the time, even in not Christmas months. This was right. on all the time. And I watched this like almost every every time I, it was on, I would watch it. Even if it was July, I would sit and watch this movie because it's a it's hilarious. The movie's really funny and it's really um it's really inventive the way they do everything. Um, but stars obviously Bill Murray, uh, we have Karen Allen. Bobcat Goldthwait, Carol Kane, Robert <laughs> Mitchum, who I didn't appreciate when I was a kid, but now that I see it as an adult and I see that he's in there, like it's much more entertaining to see him in there. Um, Alfre Woodard and um, and I forget the guy who plays. Uh, oh, John Forsyth. Uh, it's a great, um, it's a really fun adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Um, and it, like I said, it, the whole movie, like the whole beginning. Where like they show like the lineup for the for the yes. lineup like you'll <laughs> love <Lee it>. majors. <laughs> and uh, the tagline what was it like CBN? You'll love it, and they put spelled Yule with the Y U L E. Psycho C Santa's workshop. <laughs> the night the reindeer died. <laughs> Lee majors. You've been a real good boy this year, Lee. <laughs> And, and he knows and Lee Majors knows something. <laughs> he just goes about his business after he tells. And I, I love it's such a like um what's the word on look? It's it's a cold open, right? Because like yeah. it's you know, you start in with like the movie starts and it's like you hear like the, the kind of holiday kind of music and then it kinda of turns a little dark. It's Danny Elfman style, right? So it sounds yeah. kinda of like Nightmare Before Christmas, before Nightmare Before Christmas, right? It kind of gives you that like holiday but kind of menacing sound. Um and then like it and it slowly fades in onto like the like Santa's workshop and you're like, What are we watching here? And then it so it totally fools you and then it gives you that like that T V intro then. Uh really funny. Um so in this one, uh, I think so. You have Alfre Woodard and Bobcat Goldthwait kind of both do the Bob Cratchit role. Like Bobcat, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait is actually gets fired, and he kind of is down on his luck. Where Alfre Woodard is the uh, is the one that's you know like his assistant that's always you know that's underpaid and has a family to support and everything. Um, Carol Kane does Ghost of Christmas Present. 
um what's his name uh uh the dude uh plays christmas past what is his name i can't remember his name um uh the uh, uh david johansson david johansson right yeah. he plays ghost of christmas past and then they just do like a like a makeup kind of monster for a christmas yet to come um i'll always love the christmas past segment because i just love the niagara falls frankie angel <laughs> niagara falls <laughs> when attila the hun saw his mother <laughs> <laughs> i was um i was a a late uh a late bloomer for this movie i actually didn't Watched it for the first time till I think it was like maybe close to ten years ago when I started hearing all like the uh, the hype for it. So I actually ended up doing a blind buy for this Blu-ray. So I bought it, and then I think that year for Christmas I put it on, and I laughed my ass off. It was so funny. It's so funny. It's it's great. It's a really uh, I mean, it, it changed true to the spirit of a Christmas Carol, and they kind of just add like that at the time modern twist to it, which you know it's. It, it, it lends itself to like different like wackier situations, which you know, also kind of lend to the story they're trying to tell as well. So I really enjoyed it. Bill Murray was awesome. Like everybody is, is great here. Um, yeah, it, it, it's really good. Um, I like I said, I watched this one so many times as a kid and as an adult. It's it's one of my favorites. Um, Bill Murray's fantastic in this film. Um, and he, you know, he really he really sells the redemption to the point where like the last fifteen minutes of the movie. Where he's like, where he like takes over like the live TV airing of a Christmas Carol that they're doing within the movie. Right. Um, he's like on live TV and he just basically has a mental breakdown on live television. And like, if we were to see that today, like, just some studio executive like bust in on a live TV show and just like have a full mental breakdown like that, it would be like news everywhere. Like, <laughs> um, right. but it's a great, it's a great movie. Um. I, I do like that they actually gave him uh, a reunion with his uh, with his girlfriend of the past. Like they never do that in a Christmas Carol movies or or adaptations, except for this one. And every other one, he's like he breaks up, you know, with Belle in the past, and then that's it. Like he just never gets to love again. But in this one, after his redemption, he gets to have her back, um, which I think is a a nice touch. I don't know. No, it is. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I don't. I can't think of any other adaptation where he gets the girl, quote unquote, at the because at that time it's already too late. He's old. It was in the past, but like you know, the way he did it here with you know, it kind of being a modern setting, he has the opportunity to kind of get that redemption, and he does, which is which is great. Um, and of course, Karen Allen plays um plays the 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 girl, um, and uh, Claire. And she, this is probably, now, I know I had seen Raiders of the Lost Ark before this, but to be honest, when I was growing up, I probably saw Temple of Doom way more than I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, because Raiders of the Lost Ark was 82, 81, 82, right? Um, but Temple of Doom was, like, right around when I was about four or five years old. So I saw that one much more often yeah. than I saw Raiders. So to me, Indy's girlfriend was always Willie, not, not, um... Karen Allen's character, I'm blanking on uh, Marion, right? Um, now, as a, as an adult, obviously Marion is 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 the real Indy's girlfriend. But as a kid, it was always Willie, not Marion. So <laughs> I saw Scrooge so many times that like Karen Allen, I forgot that she was in Raiders. I only remember her as, as from Scrooge, and I like fell in love with Karen Allen at like eight years old. Like she, and if you watch this movie, she has like the most radiant smile. Like it is a beautiful smile on, on Karen Allen in this movie. Yeah. I could totally see why someone would like Bill Murray would fall in love with her. 
did you um did you see the uh the teaser for the new indie i didn't i did and i see that there's a lack of karen allen in that movie and i'm not happy about it <laughs> yeah I, I don't know how i feel about it yet i mean it's just a teaser so we don't know i don't even know what it's about so i mean look we're gonna watch it right it's like it's like avatar we're gonna watch it if we're gonna like it, it's a different story. Yeah, even the Avatar, like I still haven't seen it, so I'll probably go this week during uh, my time off. I'll probably use my Stubbs A list, so I don't get so Cameron doesn't get a dime from me. But you know. to take to take this tangent, you know, I just don't care to see it. Like it just, I don't care about the story enough to go see it. And I know the reviews are good. And I know that it's beautiful looking, and I can see just from the trailers on TV or my computer that it looks beautiful, right? The teaser and trailer know, just showed off how nice it looks, you know? And and I know that it's going to look great on a big, like, IMAX screen or whatever, right? But I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to get around to watching it in the theater because I just don't care enough, you know? Like, I mean, I probably will. If you like want to if you want to talk about it on, like, a Force perspective, I'll go out and see it. But yeah. uh, I just, it just, as a consumer... I don't I don't give a shit, you know, like, what is it about the, the Avatar as like a as a franchise that like everyone saw it, but like nobody cares about it. Like, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I obviously you know we watched it when it came out. It was fine. I didn't care to see a sequel or a continuation of that story. But here, here we are 10 years later and we got it. And I still care about it. So. I, mean, I think I don't think I've seen Avatar one. I guess I don't have to say it now. I haven't seen that movie in legitimately like seven or eight years. So I have to literally rewatch it because apparently it could, does play a, a big role. Like you won't know most of the stuff they're talking about without watching the first one again, having it fresh. Yeah, I head, think so. it's funny because that's what I, I remember here reading a, um, a review from someone. I think it was on Facebook where they're just like, it's pretty bold of James Cameron to assume we've no we we've seen Avatar since the last time it came out because he just throws you in the deep end with like all the terms and the people and just expects you to know who they are. Like it's not like Marvel where there's like a new movie every six months, right? Like or Star Wars, there's a new movie every year. Like we haven't seen Avatar in like 13 years, and he apparently just goes right into it. He doesn't stop to explain anything. Right. So I don't know. I I don't feel like watching the new the old one again. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, back to Scrooge. Um, yeah, I, I do I do love this movie. Um, I think it has a lot of great one liners that I always quote, like Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. The other one is a that bitch hit me with a toaster. Um, <laughs> I never liked a girl well enough to give her twelve sharp knives. Um, and then the other one that I really like is after he gets after the ghost of Christmas present, he ends up in the sewer and he's like looking around. And he goes, well, this is nice. Where are we? Trump Tower. <laughs> <laughs> that that carries a whole new meaning now. That did oh, that it's so good. So. Uh, but yeah, this is probably my favorite as a kid that I had as a kid um, and probably in my top five. Um, all right. Now we get to probably my favorite of all time. Yeah. The one you just talked about. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, and it's funny because a lot of other people consider it one of the best of all time, too. Even though it has Muppets in it, even though it's not completely a uh, completely authentic uh, adaptation because, they, you know, they they uh, omit some things, add some other things. Um, it's still a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful adaptation. Yeah, um, this is the one 
This is the main one that I grew up with. I mean, the, my earliest exposure, like I said, was Mickey's Christmas Carol, but the one that I watched every year, my, VH te- my VHS tape got worn out. I had the clamshell uh, VHS was this, which that clamshell VHS had when Love is Gone on it. So mm-hmm. that's the version that I grew up with. Now, I do remember being taken to this in the theaters. Now, from what I understand, the theater version did not have the song. But, of course, I don't remember that because I only saw it once in the theater and I must have been like five years old. So when I got my clamshell VHS and watched that every year growing up, that was the version that I grew up on was with the song in it. And um, when I got my Blu-ray like five years ago and it didn't have it, I was pissed. <laughs> so, But again, but now we're, we're going off on a, a, a tangent. But no, we'll no, it is, this, is, this, is, this, is a, this is not a tangent. This is relevant, right, to the discussion. When Love is Gone is a controversial situation with this movie, right? Because like you said, it, it so in the theater it in the theatrical version it was not in there because I think you mentioned on another podcast that it was the studio executives thought it would might be too boring for the kids. Um so they cut so like in the so when you watch it like in the theatrical version like she breaks up with him and then he just wa- and then she just walks away. But in the version that I think most kids saw, because I don't think the movie was a financial success, but everyone saw it on VHS in that clamshell VHS because everyone had it. Every kid, you know, had it and every kid watched it. Every kid that was born in the 80s and 90s watched that movie on VHS every Christmas. And they put that back in the put One Love is Gone back into the movie. Um, so most remember watching it on VHS and watching that movie. And when it was finally released on DVD, it was gone and everyone lost their shit because like, where's when love is gone? <laughs> um, and um, I remember there's been a couple of different, like the first version on DVD didn't have it. And then another version on DVD released it, but you had the choice of watching the widescreen theatrical version. Or if you wanted to watch the one love is gone version, you could see it, but it was a full frame four by three version of the uh... Pan scan. Um, yeah, so like you still so they so they put it back in, but you still couldn't really watch it properly. Um, and finally, after how many years, Disney has finally put it back. But if you go watch it on because this is how I watched it this year, even though I have the, the Blu-ray, it, to watch it, you have to go when on Disney Plus, you have to go to the movie, but you can't watch the movie, you have to go to the extras. Yes. And it's under the extras, there's the it says like full length movie. And it's like two minutes longer because it has the movie in it. Um it so it's it's an extra it's an extra under the under the actual topic of the film. You can't you can't click on the main feature, you have to click it under the extras. You still get the whole movie, but then they just stick the the song back in and it's in widescreen. So um yeah, that's how you see it now. Which I didn't know. <laughs> So I started watching it. Just I just hit play, and then when it got to that part, I'm expecting the song, and I don't hear it. I'm like, "What the hell, you liars, you phonies!" So then I I researched it on my phone, and I oh wait, they put it under the extras because they're assholes, and they don't just want to replace that version. So I stopped it immediately, and I went to that one, and I just started over again because it's like. I want to see the damn song. And I finally saw it. And I was like, I was back to being like seven years old again, watching on my big giant TV with on, on the VHS. So yeah. that was a great little moment for me a couple days ago. Yeah. So, so again, this is, might not be like the best quote unquote adaptation, 
but to me it is my favorite because this is the one I watch probably the most out of any of them. Um, and also I'm a Muppet Mark, so like I love Muppets in general. So to see him like and I, and I like the other great adaptation. I'm not sure if you ever seen Muppet Treasure Island. That one's awesome too. I've seen um, that. Yeah, with Tim Curry as um, Long John Silver. <laughs> yes, who's like chewing the scenery in like the most Tim awesome Curry, way. Bro. Um, but uh, in this version, you have Michael Caine as Scrooge. And what I love about this is that he, in, in like interviews after after the fact, he said that he took it seriously. He did not. He said he did not think of himself as being in a Muppet movie. He said, this is a legitimate adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and I'm going to play Ebenezer Scrooge as if I were to play him on stage or any other quote-unquote straight version of A Christmas Carol. So, like, I think, and that, to the and it helps the movie. Because if he was, like, being wacky, it wouldn't have worked. It's the fact that he's being completely straight-faced, interacting with all these Muppets as Scrooge, that it works. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, um... Like I said, like with other adaptations, it hits, you know, the proper beats, um, but it kind of adds its own, like, kind of Muppetisms. I guess I can't really think of, you know, any other way to describe it, but it has its, like, its wacky moments with the Muppets. Like, for example, I think one of my favorites is with the, um, with Sam the Eagle in the the past segment. Yeah. Where he tells them, you know, you're going to love this. It's the American way, forgetting that he's in England. <laughs> So he has to whisper to see, like, oh, it's the, it's the British, British way. way. <laughs> <laughs> like, that part always pops. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, I also love the, the touch of having Gonzo as Charles Dickens, narr- Dickens narrating the movie. And Rizzo is just Rizzo. Like, yeah. you're not part Wait of the story. You're just, not Charles Dickens. I am so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love uh, I love the, the casting, quote unquote, of the, the Muppets is perfect. Kermit as Cratchit makes total sense. Piggy as Miss Cratchit makes total sense. Um, then they have Fozzie Bear as Fozzie Wig, amazing, brilliant. <laughs> um, they have uh, who else is in there? Oh, the Statler and Waldorf as Jacob and Robert Robert Marley. Marley. <laughs> like it took, dude, it took me like until I was a full ass grown adult to realize them having naming him Robert Marley is just a play on a joke of Mar- Bob Marley. Um, <laughs> um, and let's not forget that this movie literally from top to bottom, every song in this movie is a 10 out of 10. Every song. Oh, that, yes. Yes. It every is. song, every song. Uh, it feels like Christmas when love is gone. Marley and Marley. Um, uh, what's the one that grows to Christmas presents sing? Um, Oh, it feels like Christmas, right? Um, and then no, one more sleep till Christmas. Uh, God bless us, everyone. Like the whole ten out of ten songs. Yes, they're all all amazing. Not in in a wacky sense, like with Scrooge. No, this is a, these are legitimately great songs that yeah, give absolutely. you the feels at the right moment too. So um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, apparently, there was a deleted song that Sam the Eagle sang called "Chairman of the Board" that you can find on the soundtrack. But like, I don't know where they would have put that. Yeah, um, it's good. It's not. That's not a good song. I'm glad they cut that. Um, but everything else, ten out of ten songs. Well, you know, mother always taught me never eat singing food. So <laughs> that's something else to remember. Uh, like the lamp, not the rat. Like the lamp, not the rat. <laughs> you could fit through the bars. <laughs> <laughs> this is scary stuff. Should we be worried about the kids in the audience? No, nah, it's all nah, right. This, this is culture. <laughs> This movie is great. I'm going to watch it again, I think, after we're done with this call, because yeah. the, the movie's so good. Um, but yeah, like I said, everything on here works, and it's because, like, 
every like the 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 human actors are completely playing it straight, especially Michael Caine. And honestly, Michael Caine is probably my favorite Scrooge. Um, yeah, this is absolutely by far my favorite version. Um, kind of related to this, but not really. Um, so I actually was in an adaptation of A Christmas Carol at my school. I was going to mention this around when we talk about this because um, so I had a very, very small part. And uh, I think it was seventh grade adaptation. Um, my best friend actually ended up playing Scrooge. I played the the kid who um, he yells out the window like, "What day is this?" And it was, oh yeah. My my one line was, "It's Christmas Day." So I was I kind of channeled the uh, I don't know what what the Muppets name like the bunny who played that role in this movie. I kind of channeled his energy when I was um, playing that role, and I did a pretty good job. I think it was one line, and I think I nailed it. So. There you go. Uh, it's Bean Bunny, by the way. Bean Bunny. Yeah. Well, um, I was thinking about him when I was when I recited the one line. <laughs> yeah, that's a good ah, man. I just love that whole freaking thing, man. Yeah. Um, and also you have like, with the exception of Jim Henson, who died like I think two years before this, and I believe the movie was dedicated to him. You have almost all the original Muppet actors playing, uh, playing the Muppets. Yeah, I mean, and I'm Frank Oz, the legend, of course, is there. It, it didn't it ever did it like warp your mind like the day you realized that Miss Piggy and Yoda were the, Yoda same, are person. the same person <laughs> <laughs> and and Grover for that matter actually yes that was um, like when you finally realized that you're like holy shit how didn't I notice that before <laughs> <laughs> like now it's obvious but like before like it just over your head. <laughs> Um, I don't know how much we can like talk about this movie like anymore because this movie was just absolute like I think now like I think it's getting like a resurgence now because like you know all us 80s and 90s kids all loved it right but it's only like I think in recent years that everyone's paying its proper respect to it like like everyone liked it before right but now people are talking about it no this is a legitimately good adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And then for those also who are kind of listening to me complain about the song being on and you about the song being on and saying, well, it's just a song, who cares? Especially since it wasn't even in the theatrical version that ran in theaters. It's like, that's not the point. This song is essential to the movies. Not like that chairman of the board song, which obviously they didn't feel like it was necessary, which is why it got cut. This song is essential because... It reprises at the end, the love we found in that last scene when everybody's at dinner. Exactly, exactly. That's the reprise of when love is gone. And without having a love is gone in the movie, that doesn't make any sense. It's just a random song. Yeah, it's, it's when you have a nowhere. exactly when you have a love is gone in the movie, and then you hear the love we when found, love is found. Yeah, it's perfect. Like that's like you know, it's the full circle moment. You know, and it's like ah, oh, like that's awesome. You know. So that's why it's important. <laughs> yeah. Um, watch the movie, but watch it on Disney Plus, under the extra section, full length version. That's how to properly watch the film. Yep. I wish they would release that on physical media because I would like to own that they on really, physical media. I, really I, you can. know what? I think I might have to like go out and buy like the 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 VHS on eBay or something to have it to just to have it. Um, but yeah, beautiful movie. Do you remember though, like? Did am I wrong or did the VHS have like a preview for the Lion King? Yes, yeah, yes, it did. 
It had okay. the uh, the original teaser, I think. It had the, uh, it had. Yeah, I remember that. Didn't it show like behind the scenes stuff about like what they were doing and how they were like, you know, going to Africa and things like that? Or am I am I making that up? That I don't remember. I know the okay. teaser for the Lion King is on there. I don't know if the behind the scenes is on there too. Okay. I don't remember that. All Although right. I, if you check YouTube, you might find your answer because that's how I found a lot of these um, VHS uh, commercials. Because like I did the when we did the Jingle All the Way episode for Force Perspective, I actually typed in Jingle All the Way VHS previews, and they were all there. Like somebody just ripped it off of a VHS and put it on YouTube. They did the same thing with the Batman '89 VHS with the Coke commercial, and then the uh, Warner Brothers uh, catalog commercial. That was that's all on YouTube also. Like ripped Wait, right from the VHS. Wasn't that so. Batman Returns though? Or was it Batman? It was Batman. It was the Coke commercial with Alfred, and then it yeah, was the Warner Brothers catalog. I could have sworn that was Batman Returns. Maybe you're right, but I could have sworn the commercial was the Coke commercial with Batman Returns. Um, it might have been a different Coke commercial. The, the Batman Returns VHS, I don't remember actually anything before the movie. Um, so, I mean, you might be right. I just, for yeah. whatever reason, in my head, it was is Batman Returns. I don't know. Another. Oh no, it was definitely action. Batman '89. It was the Alfred commercial. Like we seem to be down to our last diet coke. <laughs> and then you get the uh, Warner Brothers catalog. Use it to order your Warner Brothers ball cap, which I think Joe Randazzo has one. I think I saw a picture of him with nice. the Warner Brothers ball cap. But anyway, um, so uh, the last few I'm going to mention, I don't necessarily think are essential viewing, but I think they're notable and in, in, in for a few reasons. Um, the the one I, the the other one is a made for TV version with Patrick Stewart. That came out in the late 90s, which is a pretty decent version. Uh, it's worth a watch, but I don't think it's necessarily better than any of the ones we've already mentioned, though. But it's it's Patrick Stewart, so it's 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 good for that. Yeah. Um, the other one is the Disney version that came out in 2009 with Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey, which is like motion capture animation. Uh, and it's not a. How do I put this? It's a good adaptation in the sense that it, it adapts the story well. But I'm not a fan of all like the craziness that they put in it, like, like to keep the kids entertained. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all like the uh, unlike Muppet Christmas Carol, which did that stuff good. I don't think this movie does it well. My kids like this version though, so I guess there's something to be said for that. Um, this one stars Jim Carrey as Scrooge, but also the Ghost of Christmas Past, Present, and Future. Um, and it has Gary Oldman as Marley and Fezzi. No, Bob Cup Hoskins as Fezziwig. Uh, Gary Oldman is Marley and Cratchit, and Colin Firth plays Fred. And I think <laughs> those are like the most notable names. Notable names. Um, I saw this in like when it came out in 3D, um, because I was actually excited for this movie because I like I love a Christmas Carol, and I was, it was fine, <laughs> you know, like it's not great, but I only mentioned it because it was a big release. It made a lot of money, and you know, it's probably going to be one of those things where like. You know, our generation is like whatever with it, but like, like maybe millennials and Gen Z. This is their Muppet Christmas Carol, probably. Yeah, they're going to grow up with it and it's going to be their Christmas Carol, right? So uh, that's the only reason I mentioned it. And the other one I would mention is um, it's not necessarily a Christmas Carol movie, but it's it's uh, it's an interesting movie. It's called The Man Who Invented Christmas. You ever get around to watching this one? No, it is on Amazon Prime, though. I just passed by it. Yeah, it's it's basically like kind of a fictional telling of how Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. But in the film itself, like the characters from A Christmas Carol pop up like 
like like as he's like imagining the story so like christopher Plummer pops up as scrooge you know yeah. um it's interesting it's not the greatest thing you'll ever see but it's it's an interesting watch dan stevens plays uh, charles dickens um and like it just shows like his struggle of like trying to write the story and at, at one point he wasn't going to have a happy ending and like he was just going to have you know he was going to have tiny tim die in the end you know and right. not get saved but um it's it's okay it's a it's a decent movie but it um it, it's it's like a companion piece right it's kind of like the rko 21 to citizen king right <laughs> yeah it, it, it's an interesting watch to watch along the main thing but it's not necessarily like something you have to watch but it's it's interesting uh if you have amazon prime i'd check it out um so those are like the biggest uh versions i think oh one more thing i did have to mention you mentioned the christmas carol that's on netflix there's also another updated version called spirited on apple tv which is the one i watched i have yes, not that watched was... that at all. i don't know if it's any good or not what do you tell me your thoughts on it that's the one that you know i had the choice of either this or the 18 minute silent version which no offense to to them i opted for this because you know ryan reynolds will ferrell i can't resist so this is interesting adaptation so in a nutshell the ghosts of christmas past present and future essentially run an agency where they redeem people similar to how they did with scrooge so like now you're seeing like everyday people that are like assholes are getting the the scrooge treatment they get the uh the christmas Eve visit by the three ghosts and then at the end like they're they change their ways um so now where it comes into play with Ryan Reynolds is like he's this like you know ad agency guy who's kind of ruthless and he's been deemed unredeemable by like that agency so that they don't want to deal with him because it's not going to work. But Will Ferrell thinks no, you know this is somebody that you know is going to make like their whole idea is like when you change somebody like you know there's a ripple effect like it changes others too that makes the world a better place. So he's make kind of taking on this challenge. Okay, this unredeemable guy, I'm going to redeem him. And then that's where the kind of movie takes off. So there's a lot of, uh, and it's a musical as well. So there's like songs in between, which are kind of wacky. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I really liked Will Ferrell. Ryan Reynolds is, you know, his kind of wacky self. So they kind of play off each other really well. They have really good screen presence. And I kind of like the story. It's a, it's a definite, uh, and it's a definitely interesting, I, I got to say, adaptation. Um, because they change obviously a lot of elements, but they kind of keep the the core intact with the three ghosts trying to redeem this guy who's an asshole. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily run out and go watch it type of thing, but I think you should, um, especially um, you know it's Christmas and uh, it's I didn't find anything really bad about it. It's um, it's just kind of there, but I did like the um, the kind of chemistry between the the leads. And uh, everybody here does a really good job anyway. So um, I I say see it, but like don't rush out to go see it. You know. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was gonna try and watch it. It just I ran out of time before we started recording this episode, and I was just like, maybe I'll get around to it. Uh, it's just one of those. It just it looked interesting, but I was like, I don't know. It it also could be really bad. So, um, but I'm I glad, will. Yeah, I will also say that it's worth worth watching. There is a twist with the Will Ferrell character, which actually that kind of caught me off guard, which I didn't know this is going to be the case. But then once they reveal it, I was like, oh, it makes sense, which I'm not going to say because um, I'll let you watch it if you decide to watch it. But um, it's an interesting little twist um, what they did with his character. So I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, 
so before we kind of sign off here, I do want to kind of go through like a couple little uh, questions here. Now we both talk about the Muppet Christmas Carol. I think if I asked like this question for almost any character, the answer would always be a character for the Muppet Christmas Carol. So taking out the Muppet Christmas Carol, who is your favorite Scrooge? Who is my favorite Scrooge? <laughs> and I can't say Michael Caine. Okay. Um, it's going to have to be Alistair Sims with uh, George C. Scott being the close second. Yeah, I would say Alistair Sims as well for mine. Um, second place, I, you know, maybe George C. Scott as well. Like, that's that's probably me too. Um, I, I think they're both really excellent Scrooges. Um, okay. Best Bob Cratchit. That's not Muppet Christmas. That, that, that is not Kermit the Frog. Best Bob. Uh, kind of caught me off guard with that a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> uh, let me see. I am going, and it's probably going to be because uh, I just uh, I just saw it, so I'm going to say David Warner. As I was going to say, I was going to say David Warner. I think mm-hmm. David Warner is the best one. Um, with a close second being Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Best Ghost of Christmas Past. Ghost of Christmas Past. I actually don't love the Christmas Carol, Muppet Christmas Carol version. I think it's creepy. Yeah, that <laughs> um, one. It that, creeps me yeah. out. <laughs> um, so that's not my favorite. Ghost of Christmas Past. Uh, I gotta say, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say only because of the wacky hair, Edith Evans from Scrooge, 1970. Because that... Again, like it didn't catch me at the time, but now that you mentioned, it's like you know what? That is kind of it. Just makes this movie even more wackier. So I really kind of love it now, in a way. Um, I think I'll go with um, I forget her name, but the one from the 1938 version, like she's like a young blonde woman. Um, I think that's the one that's always tricky. That's the one that has the most variation because sometimes it's an old young woman, sometimes it's an old man, sometimes it's like a weird creature. Like they never, there's never really a lot of consistency with Ghost of Christmas Past. Christmas Present and Christmas uh, Yet to Come always seem to have more or less the same design. Um, but I think the I think the one from the 1938 version. All right, Christmas Present. Uh, Willie the Giant. Oh, that's good. Actually, I'm gonna go back. I changed my answer to the taxi driver from Scrooge as my Christmas. <laughs> there That's you go. the best Christmas pass. Christmas present, I would go with Willie the Giant is good. But I think I'm gonna go with the 1984 one where he's like huge and like on like he has to be like walking on stilts or something because he's enormous. Um I, I like that version the best. All right. And who's the scariest Christmas yet to come? Uh, yeah, I thought you were gonna say best Christmas yet to come because I was gonna say Tracy Morgan and Spirited. Oh, I didn't know Tracy Morgan was in that. So, but you don't see him because he's in like the hood and that the the creepy the creepy costume. But like, oh, nice. And of course, all he does is point. But then, like when they're like you know in their meetings, he talks. He goes like, oh, you know, why can't I say stuff? I could be scary and say stuff. I don't want to just point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's uh, that sounds pretty funny. I'll I'll have to check that out. All right, but okay. Aside from Tracy Morgan, who's the scariest one? Scariest one. Uh, gotta say Pete. Oh, Pete is good. I was gonna go with Scrooge again on this one. That one's pretty scary. Oh yeah, um, that's a good one too. All right, and and another thing I wanted just to talk about, like I was thinking about this the other day about like actors who like never played Scrooge but should have. And I was thinking of why did we never get Christopher Lee as Scrooge? 
Like that would that's a no brainer yeah, to me. That's man. a no brainer. Like, how did we never get Christopher Lee as Scrooge? Oh, what a missed opportunity. We got Guy Pierce as Scrooge in that uh, FX one. Remember oh, that? Oh, you know what? I meant, to, I meant to talk about that one. Have you ever seen that one? I tried to. It's weird. I, I, I couldn't get into it. I mean, I finished it, like, begrudgingly, but it's like I just could not get into it. It's, you know what? I forgot to talk about it, but real quick. I watched it last year, I think, and it's dark, dude. It's Yeah. It's not a happy movie at all. No, it's not. Like, it's like, they make, like, all right, in every version of Christmas Carol, he's a he's a jerk who, like, he's greedy and he's stingy and he hates Christmas. In this version of Christmas Carol, the 2019 version with Guy Pierce, he's a son of a bitch. Like, he is awful. Like, he's not just greedy. He is a horrible human being. Like, the whole time you're watching, you're like, how are you rede- how are you going to redeem this guy? At one point, like, they imply that he he doesn't do it, but, like, he almost sexually assaults Mrs. Cratchit. And yeah. you're like, how are you going to redeem him after this? <laughs> like, you can't redeem this guy. And they don't really. Like, they kind of do a little tiny bit, but, like, at the end, like, he's not in the place that, in, like, every other Scrooge is. Like, he's not, like, all happy and jumping around and everyone loves him. Like, at the end of this version, everyone's still, like, Okay, it's nice that you did this, but you're still an asshole. You know what I mean? Like it's a I don't I don't really like that version. That one's it's dark. It's really dark. <laughs> to quote Nick Allen of RogerEbert.com, who gave it two stars, it's approximately three joyless hours of watching adaptation try to justify its edginess. Yeah, I that's a good review. That that's that's a good synopsis of it. Like it's totally dark, and it's just too it's too dark to like. It completely, I feel like it completely misses the point of A Christmas Carol, which is about redemption, right? It's about turning someone and, like, making them see the error of their ways and making them become a better person. But there are also people that just you can't redeem, right? There are people that are too far gone, and that version of Scrooge is way too far gone. Like, there's no redeeming that guy. Um, Like, once you get, seriously, once you get to, like, the sexual assault, you're like, okay... This movie took a really dark turn, and I don't really know if I want to keep watching it. <laughs> I should say it's a miniseries, not a movie, but it's still. It's a miniseries, yeah. Um, just, Jesus. Very strange. Um, I, for, I forgot how we got onto that tangent, but um, yeah, Christopher Lee. That That's one that I, I, I feel like we should have gotten. You're in it, can you think of any other actors? that like The other one I could think of is Peter Cushing. I think he would have made a good okay. Scrooge. Um. But yeah, like I feel like those two specifically, like pretty much any hammer horror guy should have had <laughs> should have had a, a, had a, a shot. Bernie Scrooge, right? Yeah. Um, I, no, Alec Guinness got to be Marley, but I think he could have done Scrooge too. Oh yeah, I could see him being Scrooge definitely. And you mentioned it earlier, and I didn't know that he had played it on stage, but Tim Curry is it also a no brainer? Yes, we, we never got like a live action adaptation on film with Tim Curry. Just it was a stage, then he did the voice for the for one for animated, but. Yes, he would have been an awesome. I'm sure he is an awesome Scrooge in those, but like to see him actually be Scrooge live in person, like on film, would have been great. Yeah, and unfortunately, he's he's got he's like in failing health right now, so we're probably uh, never gonna see that. Yeah. Um. I mean, like I feel like every day I'm waiting for like news that he's gonna he's gonna pass away because like last time I saw a picture of him, he was like he was not looking good. Yeah. Um. But anyway, um. So that I think that's gonna wrap up our discussion on a Christmas Carol. Unless there's any other points you want to bring up. Um, I think I, I was going to bring up that guy Pierce one at the end, but like we yeah. did it already. So I think we're good. 
Seriously, don't watch that one. That one's awful. <laughs> like, I mean, awful. Not. I mean, it's it's well made, but and so I'm not saying it's awful. Like, it, it's like a, it's like it's not. It is well made. Like, it's certainly people put a lot of effort into it. The acting's very good, but it's awful because you're just gonna feel awful afterwards. Like, it's not yeah. a good adaptation at all. Um. Yeah. So that, I think that'll wrap us up here. Um. Let's go ahead and discuss our next film uh, that we're going to talk about probably in the new year. Um, so, again, I, I've been doing the the polls on the Facebook page, and uh, I kind of I did a, a, another 10-movie poll, uh, this time mostly with, like, past uh, Best Picture winners, although I sprinkled some uh, non-Oscar winners in there as well. Um, and these were the choices I gave our, our fans, our listeners. Uh, it was Mutiny on the Bounty, The Grapes of Wrath, Mrs. Miniver, Going My Way, the Third Man, Gigi, North by Northwest, The Wild Bunch, The Godfather Part Two, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, I'm going to give you our top three vote getters. In third place was North by Northwest, which I really wanted to win because that's one oh, I wanted to talk about. That's a good one. Uh, second place was Mrs. Miniver, but taking wow. the lead with 24% of the votes, The Grapes of Wrath. So that's what we'll be talking about. <laughs> in this episode. Oh, you know. Okay, so here's what's funny about the Grapes of Wrath. That's in the book you gave me. Yeah. I never got to watch it. Oh, really? I never got to watch it, and it was one of the ones that I wanted to like come through, but either like when it came through, like I'd forget to record it, or you know, I just never got around to seeing it. So this is gonna be a first time watch for me. All right. Well, if you don't have a copy of it, let me know. I can I can give you access to watch it. Oh, awesome. But uh, let me know. Um. But it is a good movie. It's a very good film. We'll talk about it on our next episode, uh, probably sometime in January. Um, other than that, do uh, you have any plugs you want to give the people? Um, I don't know if I want to plug Twitter anymore because it seems to be a sinking ship yeah. at this point. Speaking, <laughs> of someone who, speaking of someone who needs a visit from three ghosts. <laughs> Let's not get into that one. Although he might be the Guy Pierce, Like, he might not be savable. <laughs> be the Ryan Reynolds unredeemable one. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but just in case, my Twitter is at SportsGuy515. My uh, Force Respective Twitter is at FPMoviePodcast. So, like I kind of alluded to with Adolfo earlier in the show, I am going to try to catch up on some movies, stuff that I own physically that I have yet to open, and stuff that's out in theaters now that are probably going to be Oscar contenders, like, for example, Fableman's, um, The Whale, uh, all these types of, like, that... I don't want to say they're Oscar baity, but you know these are the ones that are going to be looked at for Oscars soon. So you I know, want to kind of catch up on all those. As you say, the Fablemans, dude, and I, I see that commercial and I'm like, I know this is Oscar bait, but God damn it, this is working on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I know it's Oscar bait. I know it's Spielberg manipulating emotions, but this looks like the kind of movie I'm going to dig. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I get that same vibe too. Like, I, I know the purpose of releasing this now, but it's working. I'm kind of really interested in this now. So I did find it. Did I tell you, I finally cut up with everything everywhere all at once. Um, oh, isn't that a, such a great movie? I, that's my favorite movie of the year so far. I, I, oh, that's, that's, such a great that's movie. That's one of the greatest things I've ever seen this year. Like, it's so good. Like, I hope it gets all the Oscars, man, because that movie is so good. It, it won't, but you would, I would love it to, but I can definitely see Michelle getting a, some Dude, recognize if, but. if if short round doesn't get a best supporting actor nomination i'm gonna riot <laughs> well, speaking I of am gonna, 
roll up to the academy headquarters and throw eggs if short round does not get a best speaking of short round I mean, we we're talking about uh, Temple of Doom. Did you see the picture of him reuniting with Harrison this year? Dude, I, I almost cried when I saw that. Oh, that I was, was so like, awesome. So and, no, I, I, and I read the uh, the interview he did where he goes, oh, I was going to go up to him. I didn't think he's going to remember me because it's been so long. And then he looked at me and he knew right away who I was and he gave me a hug. I was like, that's that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Yeah, man, that movie's so good. Like, and I knew, I, I only just watched it like maybe two weeks ago, right? And it's been it's been out like all year, and everyone says so great, so great, so great. And I'm like, I know it's gonna be good. I know it's gonna be good. I just haven't had time to it, and haven't had, finally got around to watching it. And even with all the hype, even with all the hype, it still surpassed it. Like I can't speak what good enough about this movie. That movie was so freaking good. Yeah, and I bought that Blu-ray as a blind buy. I meant to see it in theaters. Like I kept getting the ads from Alamo, go see it here, go see it here, which I meant to, and never got around to it. So. And then after all the hype, I just bought it as a blind buy, and I was just—it was awesome. Especially seeing it in 4K, Ooh, dude, it was awesome. For those of you who haven't seen this movie, this is how good the movie is. There is a scene in this movie that is just two rocks with googly eyes on them, and it almost made me cry. That's how good this fucking movie is. Yeah, yeah. Who did the multiverse better, this or Spider-Man? Dude, <laughs> this. I mean, I love Spider-Man No Way Home, don't get me wrong, but this, this is a multiverse movie right here. Yeah. Oh, my God. That movie's so good. I can't even, you can't even describe how good that movie is. Um, but, yeah, I finally got around to watching that. And The Fablemans is, is going to be one that I really want to watch. Um, Avatar, I have no desire. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, so uh, th- that's all coming up on my slate. And then hopefully, maybe, I don't know if it will, but maybe at least... I'm going to shoot for first week of January. We'll do a force perspective. We'll kind of kind of do a quick discussion of what's out, what's probably going to be nominated, and you know, kind of the recent stuff. So, all right. Um, as far as us goes, uh, this this podcast uh, at Essential Films on the the site that shall not be named. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook, and um, you can email us at essentialfilmspodcast at gmail dot com. Um, and that'll do it for us. Um, so I hope everyone listening to this. Has a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Joyous Kwanzaa, a Happy Festivus. What's Christmas fall on a Sunday this year, I think? Yes. A good, a good Happy Sunday, a good weekend, all the stuff. Like, just a good day off, whatever it is. I hope you guys enjoy this time of year. Um, and I uh, hope you enjoyed our podcast today. Yes. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. And uh, we will see you next year. All right, everyone. Thanks very much. And remember... Especially if you're buying Christmas presents this year, always buy physical media. No, and never read singing food. (laughs) Well, I met someone who touched my soul and made my world brand new. There's part of me, a place inside that now belongs to you. The love we found. The love we found. Alone.